My name is Harrison Wheeler, and this is Technically Speaking. Guess what? We are back. We are back for episode 11 and season two in 2021. I have the pleasure of speaking with Farai Metzima. He is a design manager at Shopify, as well as the founder of South Africa's premier design conference, Pixel Up. Today's theme, the craft of management. Farai takes us in his meandering path to becoming a user experience designer, as well as his transition into management with some helpful tips I'm sure folks that are going into a leadership pathway are sure to take some value out of. But don't take my word for it. Here's Farai in his own words. When we build trust, if you and I are working together on a team, and when we build trust that is beyond trusting in our work skills, but trust that is based on us having spent time to know each other as individuals and what's important to you. What is Harrison, you know, working towards in this organization? What am I working towards? Harrison has felt comfortable to share with me, you know, the areas that he's developing. And he's saying, you know what, I'm really, you know, I'm not good at this yet. I'm trying to work on this. When you and I feel comfortable to say, you know, you're better than me at this. Can you teach me how to do that? When we have that kind of trust where I can say that, we work entirely differently because then we can have the conversations that really help you and I grow. And when you scale that up and you got, you know, a team of eight, 16 people doing that, um, you can have much more vulnerable conversations that allow the team to grow that where mistakes are allowed to be made. Give us a, a brief introduction. Welcome to the show. Hey man, uh, great to be on this. Um, loving the work that you're doing. So a bit about me. So originally I'm actually from Zimbabwe. That's where I was born. Stay there till I was about 18. I left with the intention of becoming a pediatrician. I didn't get the grades, ended up being a designer. Um, make a connection of that. I don't know if there's anything about failed doctors and designers, but anyway, so that's where I, after that, I learned about UX design. And interestingly, where I'm from, like design wasn't a thing that I knew of as like a possible like job or prospect. So yeah. this is something I learned about when I went to the UK to university, um, found out about HCI, fell in love with it. And then, um, yeah, I've been doing that ever since did in the UK was in South Africa for seven years doing that. And now, yeah, I'm in Canada. I've been here for three years now and, um, yeah, uh, loving it. Um, and also transitioning more towards kind of, um, designing the environments and the processes yeah. for people to do it, the more the management side of design as well, which is um, a different challenge, but really enjoying it. You're pivoting your careers. You're not right, going to right, medicine, right? right? Yeah. And then you're going from South Africa <laughs> to UK to Canada. Yeah. Like, yeah. tell me what that's like. I used to think that the choices I was making in my life were deliberate. So yeah. obviously I decided to get on a plane, but whether I knew what the outcome was going to be was, you know, it's always up to chance. 2020's taught us that, right? Um, so mm-hmm. what I've, I've started to believe in more is kind of um, emergent strategy, which is I look mm-hmm. at the next few steps. So in terms of leaving Zim for uh, the UK, I'd say that was more my parents' choice. And they were like, yo, yeah. man, you're going to get some good education. So you're going to get on this plane and you're going to do this thing. But I was going the, you know, the, the, the medicine route. Since that didn't pan out, getting into design was the last option that I had, funny enough. And even though I had kind of drawn things and I wanted to be an architect and everything, but nevertheless, it was the last choice that I had. And I went into that. 
Um, but having worked in that industry in the UK for a while, one of the big challenges for me was around like having impact and trying to balance that with quality of life. In the UK, yeah. you're at the bleeding edge of things. But having grown up in, you know, in, in Zimbabwe, in Africa, it's like, you know, 300 days of sunshine, all that. I miss that. Yeah. So I was like, what if I could find a great place to live and find a place where I can apply my trade as I know it now? And South Africa was a great place for that. Um, the UX community was just, you know, growing at that time. Um, and so that was a, a crazy transition because it felt as though I was uh, starting over, as, as you can imagine. But the industry yeah. was entirely different. It was very, very young there. Um, design schools in Africa are very few and far between. So a lot of folks are self-taught. Um, the people buying uh, design are also learning how to buy design. And buying design is not right. just like, a oh, we hired a designer. You need to know how to use that in your organization, you know, to right. not only to get money, but, you know, to design your organization around how to get the benefit of it. All those things, you know, the teams that I joined in South Africa were learning and I was happy to be a part mm -hmm. of that. Then... Um, we figured out, um, uh, my partner and I figured out that um, the move from South Af from the UK to South Africa gave us a perspective on the world that was different. We were thinking mm. with the, what we had seen in the UK, but living in South Africa. And yeah. we were able to do things like start, you know, the conference that, you know, that, that you spoke at uh, a few week weeks ago only could happen because we were looking at the world very differently. So we were like, what if we moved mm. again? Um, would we, you know, would we see, get another, would we amplify that and build a bit more? Right. Um, and that's when the Canada option came up and, um, lucky enough, I managed to, you know, uh, link up with some Shopify peeps and they were like, cool, you want to come through? I was like, sweet. We got on a bus and yeah. we came out here. Um, and it's been, yeah, again, mind blown, um, different perspectives and we're still yeah. figuring it out, but, um, yeah. yeah, it's been a learning journey, but emergent not deliberate. So, th so thematically, it, it sort of feels like it has been more or less a journey of enlightenment and, and curiosity more than, more than anything, man. You like, I should have just said what you just said. <laughs> but, but, yeah. <laughs> you would have saved us two minutes, man. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely so, right. Yeah. Yeah. I know that you were, you, you organized this conference that we talked about. It's called mm -hmm. pixel up. And yeah. so you've been hosting it for how long? So we started in 2016. Um, okay. And essentially, um, I was housemates with uh, a dude who uh, now works at Dropbox or worked at Dropbox in 2016. I was housemates with him in the yeah. UK. Education for design in South Africa, there's not as much as, you know, we could have. Um, and so yeah. we thought hosting a conference, get some people to meet, share some ideas. You know, let's let's try that. Let's figure it out. And um, yeah, yeah, we've been doing that ever since. So in that in that time that you've moved out of South Africa, that you've started the the Pixel Up conference, like how would you say that the design uh, industry or community in South Africa how has that progressed over time? Are you seeing changes there? Huge, huge, um, big, big change. At the time when I arrived, design was mostly in marketing agencies. So a yeah. you know a big corporate would hire their marketing agency to design their apps and their websites for for them. Um, and yeah. even, you know, some of the, the core pro digital products that they're offering, like banks would have their apps built by somebody else. But yeah. soon after I arrived in about 2013, there was a big shift. And as we've seen around the world, big mm -hmm. corporates buying out design houses, bringing design in-house, building teams right. in-house and all of that, that started around the 2013 time. Um, yeah. And, you know, we helped to progress that with our event and bringing, you know, uh, but we were a small, you know, part. The biggest part was, I think, big companies seeing trends overseas 
looking mm-hmm. for talent and then seeing the benefit of having design in-house as opposed to outsourcing it. So a huge change. Right. Um, and also now design schools are coming up. Um, right. So now we're able to kind of, you know, to plant the seeds as opposed to just like going for the fruit. You're in design management and mm-hmm. you obviously didn't start out from there. What were the motivators to then start moving into management? So I happened to be working on a project where I was the first designer to land and I ended up hiring everybody who rocked up after me. And Mm -hmm. that then ended up having me kind of, you know, being in management and, and, you know, helping to grow and build the team. So I happened to be, you know, in the right place at the right time. But as I started doing that, I started realizing, oh, there's this whole other aspect to design and, you know, that Mm -hmm. that's worth exploring. Um, And I found that I enjoyed it really, you know, and I was able to kind of to to have impact in doing that. And so it was a a pleasant surprise. I found design uh, by, I guess, you know, uh, by chance. And then design management, again, by chance, but both of those uh, happenstances worked out really well for me. Management, not by choice. (laughs) Not by by choice. Um, But thankfully, um, welcome, you know, Um, because I guess there's some folks who, you know, we know in our industry where, oh, that's a really great designer, but the only progress is to turn them into a manager. But, you know, just because you enjoy and you're great at the craft doesn't mean that transition is going to translate into I'm great at people. Being great at people, yeah. being great at, at at the business side, that's an entirely different game, and it's not for everybody. I have a very similar experience. Uh, I, oh, I moved to to Chicago to work at uh, the startup company. I want to say about eight months in of being there, we got a, a round of funding for I think it was around like thirty million or something like that. Right. And so we decided to move out of Chicago and move to Palo Alto, California. I think there were about four or five designers on the team back in Chicago. And mm-hmm. I was the only one that made the trip. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and so, so when you say uh, you made the trip, it's like, oh, okay, maybe I, I do see what you're saying. They're not saying. <laughs> relocate completely to California yeah. and then right. build a team. I mean, the challenge was not really having the name. Like no one knew mm-hmm. who our company was. And so it was a lot in terms of brand building, getting people in the door. But to your point, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then to your point, there's the craftsmanship Mm -hmm. portion of Mm -hmm. being a manager. There's the people Mm -hmm. part. Um, Maybe let's dive in a little bit of that, because I know that's something Mm -hmm. that you feel very passionately about. And and so how would you define the craft of of management? I haven't tried to answer that question before, but I think the key thing to recognize is that it is a skill. It is a skill that you can suck at when you don't know anything about but it's a skill that through intentional work and feedback and practice, you can get better at, and you can get really good at, you know? Mm. Um, And that's like, like, like any other skill, you know, you can go from being a apprentice to, you know, to, to mastery of this thing, although it will always be changing. And I think that's what we don't talk about enough. Yeah. This is what I'm interested in, is that in our trade, you know, you becoming a manager, you know, I don't know if we talk enough about how do you develop this um, right. and how do you get good at it um, in tech as a somebody who was in design or someone who was an engineer. Um, we I don't know if those, those, those uh, paths exist for us. Yeah. I think when you put mm-hmm. design in front of manager, I mm-hmm. think people have this perception that you're also designing. So right. how, how, does, how does your role change from being, you know, an IC to mm-hmm. a manager? Like, what are the things that you're doing 
where you have to completely fundamentally shift like your mindset and approach. Yeah, I think one of the the bigger things is trying to figure out how you have impact now. Um, Mm. So what I mean by that is if I'm doing the design work and I'm an IC individual contributor, the things that I do on the whiteboard, the things that I do in Figma or whatever tool I'm using, that can translate into impact on the product. But when I'm managing... Um, and, you know, design managers, sometimes, you know, you are doing both on a consistent basis, depending on your organization. Right. But um, right. you work for a fairly large organization, as do I. And sometimes you can be more removed, in which case your impact on the product is through other people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what you're yeah. doing there is to trying to find, you know, as you were saying, when you move to Palo Alto, trying to find the right folks to get the work done, you know, the design work that needs to get done, done. So that's one thing. Once you found those folks, can you set them up for success? That means, have you got the right environment for them to, to get things done within the organization? Design is not always welcome, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and even if it is, does the, organi- the organization might have good intent, but are they set up in the right way to actually make good on that intent? Um, so again, yeah. that's, that's work that you need to do for your team. And that's the impact that you can have so that you're removing barriers to folks. Then any processes, when I was in South Africa, a simple thing, like I joined a bank and they were a, a Windows house, Microsoft. Mm, yeah. um, and they'd never bought a Mac, like literally never bought a Mac. But <laughs> if you imagine an organization of 50,000 people has got all these huge procurement processes and none of yeah. them include the thing that you want, how do you make that happen? Or right. you want to buy Photoshop and they're like, yeah, what is that? How do we do that? And so yeah. as a design manager, I'm trying to get those things out of the way yeah. so that I can so, help you know the people who come in to get things done. Personally, for me, management has been a series of learnings to get to to where I am today, right? If you could look back, mm-hmm. like what were some of the major like milestones or aha moments for you? So I think the most exciting initial thing for me was seeing and experiencing the growth um, and having people work on my team and having, you know, execs ask me questions and being able to kind of have impact at that level. That was exciting for me. So I think the first aha moment was um, when in those conversations, things don't go well. So when you are building a team, but then now, you know, as we're human and things will happen, right? You know, mistakes will happen um, and things don't work out with with people. That might be on the product, but it might also just be like, you know, the talent stuff, the HR stuff. And so the first aha moment for me was like, oh, snap, this is not, you know, I'm not managing a machine or a design, but I've got real humans whose, Mm -hmm. you know, path in life I have an impact on. As their employer, they spend eight hours in a day a day with me. You know, how do I take on that responsibility and try and do the right thing by them as well as the organization? So I think early on, I started to realize that, yeah, it's great to have a team, but mm-hmm. that is a big thing. Um, and then in terms of business, so that was the first aha moment, I'd say. Then in terms of business was being asked now, you know, when you're starting to be asked about budgets and how you can influence the product. And I was a young manager. And so all of a sudden I'm having to think about, oh, I'm not just thinking about my section of the app, not the login screen. I'm thinking about, they've got five apps and they want budgets for that. And they want to hire for that. And they, you know, I'm going to need to think about 12 months out, you know, how much money do I ask for? So I think that was the second thing for me, realizing that, oh, snap, like management has, I have to be in a position to think about all these things and to be able to have informed opinions on them um, that, you know, the business is going to spend millions on ostensibly. Um, and so I think that was the the second thing for me. I guess the third thing was then realizing that even if I can't do it at the beginning, I can learn. 
and it's my job to to learn. Um, and so then going out and trying to understand, okay, cool, looking after people, how do you do that? Design and business strategy, how do you do that? How do you get design a seat at the table? And then how do you get to say, how do you say the right stuff when you get to that table? So th I think those were some some critical um, moments in my journey as, as a manager. I'm putting you on the spot. In hindsight, what one or two skills um, or learnings that would be important to have if you're looking at going into the management field? So for folks who worked in design like you or I, typically we start out in some sort of craft, right? We're doing the design work. And then there can be a point in your organization, your growth, where it's kind of like, okay, where do you go from here? Because the next level up seems to look like management only. And in some organizations, that's the only path to go. Yeah. Um, I've met folks who've had that choice. I've been in our company, luckily you can choose to either go the management route or to keep being an IC, but kind of there's a, there's a more technical route. Um, yeah. And the conversation I have with folks is um, when you think about managing a team and I lay it out for them and I'd be like, cool, you know, you know, you're going to have to deal with, you know, how do folks grow? You know, what happens when things don't go well with folks? When you think about doing that work, does that excite you as much as the craft work excites you? Yeah. And do you feel as passionate about looking after people in that respect as you do about looking after your files and your design work? So being right. able to ask and not just looking at, oh, there's a fat paycheck on the other side of that, you know, which, which yeah. might be important and you can pursue that. But in reality, when you get there, um, there is a bunch of stuff that you need to be doing that is going to require more than just like your presence and more than just your skill. But you're going to have to enjoy that to be really good at it in the same way that you have to enjoy your design work to be good at it. So think about looking after people. Does that excite you in that way? And, you know, could you push yeah. through it when it's tough um, and all those yeah. things, you know, with your passion? So I think that's the, that's the first piece is, and that, I think that's more introspective. So thinking about, you yeah. know, yourself. Um, so I think that's, that's one key thing to think about. The second key thing I think is then knowing whether you have access to the support to get through this thing. So in my mind, I'm not thinking that you need to have management skill to go into it, but I'm thinking, right. do you know, in the same way that I'm about to do this design work, I can visit these websites. I can, you know, read these books, you know, listen to these podcasts, and that's going to help me skill up on this, this thing that I need to do. If I wanted to be good at people, right? What do I do? Right. Do I have an understanding of what that is? Does the company support me on that? Do I get to go on some courses where I can learn to be better at this and all those things? Like, those are critical. You need those because like I was saying earlier on, it's a skill that you need to invest in. And that investment is your time, you know, your effort and some money in, in and you know, if you've got access to those things, then I think, yeah, consider it strongly and, and see if you want to do it. I think I resonate with your, with your second point a lot. Mm -hmm. I think at this stage of my career, it's been more important forever for me to, you know, kind of have these trainings. I, I always kind of go back, um, I think episode two, my guest was Brooks. Mm. Brooks, and oh yeah, so, spoke about Brooks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, um, you know, I had had some really powerful conversations with him, especially mm. around the topic of having conversations. And I think knowing how to understand and having frameworks and and going into these, you know, these mm. tough decisions, right? And, yeah. and those tough decisions can be when it comes to advocating for max <laughs> yeah. or, you know, advocating for more headcount or even coaching mm -hmm. your team, right? It's such yeah. a powerful tool to have. Mm -hmm. I love that you've really kind of highlighted that. And, and mm -hmm. 
I'm going to transition. You're going to love this segue. I saw that you're speaking. Are you doing a, an event apart? Yeah, I, I did. Yeah. Um, we hung out this week, actually. It was on Tuesday. So for those who might not know, In Event Apart is a long-standing organization um, by um, uh, Eric and Jeffrey, which is for building websites. Um, they believe in the web 100%, and they've been kind of helping you know that folks who are interested in that to get the skills and knowledge they want. And so more recently, over the last couple of years, I've been hanging out with them as they've been you know, we're talking more about teams. And how do we build teams that work well and teams that are great? Again, this is part of the you know, people management work, right? We want to build and design, you know, good teams. And so in that talk, um, I, I discuss inclusion and inclusion from the perspective of um, how it has an impact on the effectiveness of a team. And so I think the conversation around inclusion uh, a lot is, you know, can be around the, uh, the, the lack of equity, which is important. And we need to absolutely get those things right. Um, the mm -hmm. thing that I add to that conversation is just the t understanding that even if you build a diverse team and you solve whatever they think is a pipeline problem and you get people into the building, um, if they do not feel included, and included means do we treat and work with them in a way where they feel like they, they feel safe to be themselves. Right. So an example I give is, for example, my name is Farai. Um, but for the longest time when I was in the UK, um, I asked people to call me Fuzz, a nickname from school. Hmm. Why? Not because I wanted them to be my friends or wanted to be cool, but I, I was, I didn't want them and didn't want that experience. So people go, oh, how do I say your name? Farai, Farad, Ferrari. Hmm. Um, I hated doing that, and I didn't feel comfortable doing that. So I was like, let me make it easy for them. That is a small example of how I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel included in that environment, and people weren't making the effort to learn my name in the right way. And so ultimately, those small things add up to this feeling of I'm not safe here. I don't feel like I belong as myself. I have to be something else. And so in that talk, I give lots of examples like that, where I try to show that when people come into your organization and they don't feel included, the likelihood is you can have as many diverse hires as you want, but they're not going to stay or they're not mm -hmm. going to grow in your organization. They're not going to get to management levels. Yeah. Right. But if you have that inclusion, no matter what your team makeup is, no matter where you are in the world, people work so much better when they feel included, even when it's people who are from the same background, right? But when they feel included, when they feel safe, when they feel like they belong, and when there's a great amount of shared trust between the people who are working together, um, trust that's built on vulnerability, not just like, oh yeah, you know, Harrison is a great designer. I trust him, you know, with, to do this work. No, it's more like, yo, I, I know some things about Harrison that nobody else in the world, you know, does. You know, we share this, you know, this, this relationship. It's not that he's told me all his life secrets, but rather, you know, we have a we have put a stake uh, or or put something important to each other when we build trust if you and i are working together on a team and when we build trust that is beyond trusting in our work skills but trust that is based on us having spent time to know each other as individuals and what's important to you what is harrison you know working towards in this organization what am i working towards harrison has felt comfortable to share with me you know the areas that he's developing and he's saying you know what i'm really you know i'm not good at this yet i'm trying to work on this when you and i feel comfortable to say you know you're better than me at this can you teach me how to do that when we have that mm -hmm. kind of trust where i can say that mm -hmm. we work entirely differently because then we can have the conversations that really help you and I grow. And when you scale that up and you got, you know, a team of eight, 16 people doing that, um, you can have much more vulnerable conversations that allow the team to grow that where mistakes are allowed to be made. 
um, and lessons from those things learned with no feeling that, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm, you know, I'll get kicked out for this or I'll get ridiculed for this, but rather we all grow from that. So in that talk, I discussed those kinds of things and say that when a team is safety, belonging, trust, that's based on this vulnerability, we operate at a higher level of efficiency. And not to say that efficiency should be the only thing that we're seeking, but rather if we add that to the fact that we just need inclusive teams because that's the right thing to do. Hmm. We can have a, a more rich conversation with business and with everybody who's looking to invest in, you know, in inclusion in our organizations and teams. Wow, that's powerful. Where, where might folks be able to, to tune into that conversation? Um, so at this point, I, I don't know if an event apart makes those things available. Um, but mm -hmm. I can find out and maybe we can put them in the liner notes or something like that. And we can, we can drop a link. Um, I can, you know, I can, yeah. I can find that out for you. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, you know, you managed to dig into some, some, some really important things. Um, I wanted to ask you more questions, but I, but I didn't kind of get to, uh, get hey, into man, that. this is, this is, my, this is my <laughs> show. <laughs> this is your show. So you get to, you get to say what you want to say. Um, but yeah, man, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for making the time and, you know, um, and for, you know, giving me this opportunity. Um, yeah, so yeah, um, it's been great hanging out for sure. Yeah, man. So, so how can people find out more about you or, or pixel up conference? Um, so pixelup.co.za, um, uh, we update that from time to time to kind of, you know, keep things posted. 2020 has been pretty rough. So we, we kind of slowed things down, but, um, that's a great place to kind of see what's going on. Farai.madzima.com. The link will be in the notes, but, um, yeah, you can go there and kind of see, you know, where I'm speaking or some talks that I'm doing that. It's where you can kind of catch me the most. I've been off Twitter. Um, just 2020 has been weird on Twitter. So I've just been like, you know what, a bit more, a bit more reality, but those, those places will be great to find me. Awesome. Well, well, thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate you. Uh, and, and again, I can't thank you enough for making the time to, to be on the show, despite everything that's been going on. All good, man. Thanks, Harrison. Appreciate it. Enjoy this episode. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform that you use. You can also subscribe to my newsletter at harrisonwheeler.com for the latest industry insights, new article posts, and announcements of future guests on the show. Once again, thanks for listening to this episode of Technically Speaking. I'm your host, Harrison Wheeler, and I'm out.